Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. You're listening to Scoop B Radio. What up, people? I'm here. Yeah, you already know who it is. Your boy, my son. Oh, hey, this is Stretch Armstrong. Hi, I'm Michael Cooper. Yo, Sway in the morning. Hey, this is TNT's Ernie Johnson. Yo, you're on Scoop B Radio with your boy, Joseph Shakura. You know me as Tommy from Power. Watch out. Watch out. You're now listening to Scoop B Radio. Everybody, please turn up the stereo. Tell a friend to tell a friend to let their family know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoop about to take the glow. Man, yeah, we're about to blow. Yeah. 543, we on the air. I know they gon' love this one, I swear. He what you needed, what you wanna. Yeah. He's the man with the plan. You uh, need the scoop, he got the scoop, he got the truth and man he out, he rang your bells, you know it's brother in the views, they get pills, now listen to yeah. radio, everybody please turn up the stereo, tell a friend to tell a friend to let their family know, yeah, 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 scoop about to take the glow, man yeah, we're about to blow, yeah, he's me, he's me, he's me, follow him, at Scoop B, follow him, Scoop B radio, in the airwaves, on the plane, on the train at the crib. Oh, we're figuring out what's going on next. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, that you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio Podcast, which is available on all podcasting networks. On the line right now is a guy who literally was on my TV during the uh, NBA Finals runs in 2002 and 2003. Nothing other than big man, Aaron Williams, former Net, former Milwaukee Buck, but most people know him as a Net. What's going on, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. I'm curious. I've always wanted to know this. What is in the water in in Peoria, Illinois? Because you guys are the land of the ball handlers. What, 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 Sean Livingston, you, what's in the water over there? I don't know, man. They just, uh, I think just basketball is more, more so a way of life out here. I mean, it's, uh, among kids growing up, it's just the, 
especially the black youth, is, is to go to sport. Um, I know it is probably around the country as well. New York, probably the same way. But it's, uh, I don't know, we just take basketball serious out over here in, in, in Illinois. Aaron Williams on the line with Scoopy Radio. Played for the Utah Jazz, Milwaukee Bucks, Denver Nuggets, the former Vancouver Grizzlies, Seattle Sonics, Washington Wizards, the Nets, Toronto Raptors, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City Hornets, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, one thing that I respected about your journey was that you found a home uh, in New Jersey with the Nets uh, around the same time that I think you were there the year before Jason Kidd got there where Marbury was there, correct? Yep. yep Jamie Fike, all those guys? Yeah, he was there too. What were those days like pre-Jason Kidd with Stephon Marbury, Kendall, and, and Steven Jackson? Um, I mean, I, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, we, we had a good young young nucleus mixed with some, uh, some, some pretty good veterans. And, uh, I think we had a bright future, but, um, you know, the management always, uh, has their idea of, of how they see the future and the direction they want the team to go in. And, uh, you know, I guess they had a chance to get Jason Kidd and they figured they couldn't pass it up. But, um, I, I mean, for me personally, I had a lot of fun playing with Steph and, and, and Kendall and Terry Kittles and all. We, we just, we had fun. We didn't win a whole lot, but we, we had a lot of fun doing it. We believed in each other, and uh, we thought if, if we even kept that group together, um, you know, we, we would have been all right. What was your very first practice with Jason Kidd like when he came to New Jersey? Uh, just, you know, I think you, you watching him and seeing the highlights and see all the fancy passes and, and all that kind of thing, and um, – which is he definitely had is one of the best to ever do it. Um, but I, I think we we learned right away in the first couple of days that he was um, the leader on defense. Um, you know, defense starts with your point guard on the, on the defensive end, and the intensity that he brought on, on the defensive end was just as much as he did on the offensive end. And that's something that I I, I really wasn't aware. You know, because when when you watch other teams, you watch Sports Center, you you really just see the highlights. Mm-hmm. You, you don't see him grinding, picking up guys full court, and um, playing the passing lanes, and just being being vocal on defense, and just being that defensive leader. I remember you guys going toe to toe with the Lakers, uh, as well as with uh, the San Antonio Spurs uh, in the finals. And I actually had recently had Shaquille O'Neal on the Scoopy Radio podcast, and he literally said, "Playing against you guys was boring." And he said Tom McCullough couldn't stick him. He said it, it was boring because, you know, he had his grandma and his grandfather uh, watching him at home. How difficult was that Lakers team uh, in the finals for you guys, and specifically you guarding Shaq at times? Well, I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't boring for us. That's, that's for damn sure. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, probably the number one question I get asked whenever people see me on the street or just meeting people is who was the toughest person you ever had, had to guard? And it's not even close to Shaq. I mean, for so um, for someone as big as he is to be as skilled as he is, and, and the way he knows how to use his body and, and leverage, and just his instincts. I mean, he, he's the only thing he couldn't do is shoot free throws. You know? <laughs> we knew that already. <laughs> but but he, yeah, but he was so dominant that it didn't sure. even matter. Um, so I, I fully understand why. Why he, he he was bored? Um, 
they swept us 4-0. Um, yeah, we, we didn't we didn't have much um, resistance to him down low. It, it was a uh, it was a tough challenge, and, and then you throw in you know Kobe. Um, it, it didn't get any easier when you, you got to deal with him and and Shaq down low. So it was it, you know we definitely had our work cut out for us, and we, they just uh, they just took it to us, and we we had nothing for them. Help me understand something. Um, me being at games and, and seeing the court is one thing. Watching it on TV is another thing. For people who are listening who are likely watching it at home, what's the biggest adjustment in watching tape of Shaq versus or, or maybe something that you notice on the court that's different from watching him on tape? I mean, just – I mean, when you watch – I mean, you don't just realize how big he really is. I mean, people watch him on TV and they say, unless you had a chance to meet that man in person, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. See, see how large he is, how big, how wide, how strong. And back then, he could run the court really good, too. So, yeah. you know, he's he's big, strong athlete who knows how to use his body, you know. So for us, watching him on, on, on tape, I mean, we, you try to come up with ways to to play him that is going to give us the best chance to succeed. But yeah, you know, their coach over there was Phil Jackson, so he's he he kind of knows what he's doing over there as well. So he he kind of knows how to get his people the ball and where to get them the ball. Um, so it, you know, it's it's a lot easier said than done when you want to try and defend somebody of, of his size. And and not to mention, you got Kobe, like I said before, and all those other shooters. Mm-hmm all the other shooters that have space in the floor. So you can't help off people or they're going to sh- shoot the threes of Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, and all those guys. You know, so it's, I mean, uh, arguably it's one of the greatest teams in NBA history. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> it's I don't, you know, it, it sucks that we got B4O, but I mean, if you're going to get B4O, at least it was to somebody like that, one of the greatest teams of all time. So, you know, it, it, it looks a little better, I guess. Kobe Bryant, you mentioned this a lot. He, I mean, Kobe definitely uh, held his own uh, against you guys, the Nets in the finals in 2002. Scoopy Radio on the line with Aaron Williams uh, talking all things basketball. You, Kobe was literally, like, unstoppable. I remember this dunk he had on Todd McCullough like it was yesterday. It was, it was a slam post I had hung in my dorm in college. But right. uh, <laughs> when <laughs> you grew up in the Illinois, in the Chicago area, and, you know, you played against – Kobe uh, in the finals. Where do you draw the line uh, in, in comparison between him and Michael? Um, I mean, he's the closest thing that you can get to to being Michael Jordan without being Michael Jordan. Uh, hmm. I, I think just his attitude on the court, his, his aggressiveness, his demeanor, his work ethic, um, his skill level. Um, his athleticism, you know, it, it, all those things have to come into play and be at the highest level for you to be one of the greatest of all time. And he had it all. Um, it, it's it's the total package that you have to have. You you can't just be a really good scorer, or you know, he, he was a he was really good defender also, which is mm-hmm. a, another aspect of, of of Jordan's game. Who kind of goes overlooked when you talk about him. You know, a lot of people compare him, with, you know, with uh, with LeBron, who's the best of all time. 
you compare the defensive stats, there's no comparison as far as first team all defense, winning MVP and defensive player of the year in the, you know, in the same year. Um, but yeah, to, to me, Kobe is the closest you can get to, to, to Jordan without being Jordan. You played against the Spurs. You and the Nets played against the Spurs in 2003. Um, I personally thought that that was a better matchup um, in comparison to the Lakers' uh, finals run with you guys. Uh, yeah, Tim anytime Shaq's not on the floor, it's just a better matchup. That's not me, but Tip Duncan was no chop liver either. No, not at all. Not at all. He, uh, but, but like you said, I think we, we definitely matched up. He's not as big as strong. And um, we, you know, we had some guys who who compete. You know, Kenya Martin, he's going to compete every night. He's on the floor. Uh, we actually had the Kimbe Mutombo on the team then too. So he's he, he's a big, you know, help defensively. Um, I mean, it's just there's just a, a more of a confidence level you have going against. I think Tim Duncan versus Shaq. Yeah. You know, so it's. it's yeah, I mean, how often do you see Shaq get dunked on? You, like, never see that for some reason. I don't, you know. It's like people don't, just don't even challenge him, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Tim Tim was, you know, probably the greatest power forward of all time, or arguably. Mm-hmm. And, um, he just does he just does what it whatever needs to be done to get the win. And, and, and that's what he did against us. He didn't dominate us. He had moments where he dominated, but overall he didn't dominate us. And um, I thought us as a team, we had a good game plan against them, and it, it was working. I actually, honestly, thought we we were going to win that series, but um, you know, Popovich, he, he's a great coach too. They got they had some, you know David Robinson over there. He he, he was wasn't in his prime, but he's he's he, he's no slouch either. Um, and and uh, you know, Tim Duncan is Tim Duncan. I mean, you you just you go out there and you do your best and. Um, we just came up a little short. Aaron, help me understand something. I um, remember during that series um, in 2003, there was talk um, that the Nets were looking to ship, or rather there was talk, rumors just that Tony Parker might become a Net and Jason Kidd might go to San Antonio. Do you remember those talks? No, I, I don't. I don't hear nothing about that. Um, yeah, there, there was like talk that, that Kidd might go to San Antonio and play for Greg Popovich. And Tony Parker might come to the Nets. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead. No, gentlemen first. No, I was just gonna say, I'm for me, um, JK is just a, a better all-around player. Right. Um, I think he he fit, he fit our team perfectly uh, with the way you know Kerry Kittles and Kenyon Martin and Richard Jefferson can get out on the break and run. Um, I, I think he was he was perfect for our team, and not to mention what he did defensively for us, um, setting the tone. Um, yeah, I mean, take nothing from Tony Parker. He was he was sure. a, a great great um, point guard. You know, he, he can get in the lane with the best of them. I think he might even led the NBA in paint scoring one or two years as as a point guard, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, don't, I just think overall, J.K. was more well-rounded guard, and he he would fit our team better. 
I'll never forget that pass uh, where Jay Kidd rolled the basketball like a bowling ball and passed it to Lucius Harris. What were some of your favorite passes uh, that Jay Kidd pulled off uh, during your time at the Meadowlands or even on the road? Oh, man, it's just there's just so many, so many passes. He Sometimes he, he wasn't even looking. He throwing alley-oops to Kenya Martin. And he's like, how did he know? Like, he just throws it up there, and, and Kenyon goes gets it. And same with, with Richard Jefferson. And I know he threw me uh, a pass that I see quite often whenever they talk about J.K. against Orlando. And he's yeah. jumped in there and threw the behind-the-back pass to me. And, you know, it's that, that, that's that's what makes playing with him so fun. But you always have to expect the ball. Even when it looks like he, you're not going to get the ball, just – Always, always expect the pass to come to you. That's that's what I learned right away playing with him. Um, and, it, and there's no selfishness to him. If you're open, he's going to throw you the ball. Uh, he doesn't care who it is, who, who it's against. Um, it was just, it was just, it was, it was really fun playing with him. Aaron, you went undrafted in 1993. You went to Xavier, um, and you bounce around the league a lot. But the thing that I find there's a common similarity between guys like you and guys like Ben Wallace. I look at your size, your weight, and you guys playing bigger than what you were. Yep. What was your game like in college? Um, <clears throat> it was similar to to what um, what I did in the NBA. I just probably shot a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, my coaches used to always tell me to to be more selfish. The more selfish I was, the better um, the team would be. But, you know, to, from my point of view, the team, we, we had some really good teams. We were winning. So I, I didn't really understand what he was saying until I, I left. And, uh, right. you know, into a few, you know, a few years later, I realized what he, what he meant by that. And I guess he saw something in me that maybe I didn't see, or I don't know. Um, but, <clears throat> Yeah, my game was similar. I think I just got um, like you. you uh, I'm surprised you you compared um, myself and Ben Wallace. I think we were both around the same size. Um, I think both of us were just really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both we both really dedicated ourselves to the weight room um, because I know for me, if I didn't get really strong playing power forward and center, it wasn't gonna happen. Right. Because every and the same goes for him. He was he was even a little shorter than me. Um, so my my mentality, you know, in the NBA was after playing against you know these really big guys. If you know if I'm guarding somebody who's not, if you, like if you didn't weigh at least two hundred and seventy pounds, I wasn't really worried about you. Because you know, I knew you, even though I was only two thirty, two thirty five. I know you you're not gonna push me around because. I'm in the weight room all the time, and I'm strong, and, and I know I'm strong, and that, that just gives you that confidence. And I think Ben Wallace has the same, the same uh, mentality. Yeah, and you bring up, um, you bring up like well, when I brought up Ben Wallace and I talked about six nine. I also look at other guys. I look at Charles Oakley. I look at Charles Barkley. Charles, I look at Dennis Rodman. Charles Barkley wasn't no damn six eight. He was about six four, six five, and was just big. 
But yeah. he had Clarence Weatherspoon. He and Clarence Weatherspoon favored one another as far as on the basketball court. They were they were able to you know bring the ball up. They were able to score a rebound. And, and to me, they they dominate in today's NBA game. Charles doesn't think he dominate, but I think you guys were ahead of your time because I think you yourself you would fit in small ball. Yeah, I, I could now because I could I could run. I, I was you know I was a good athlete. Um, yeah, I, I think I was fit in any era of my size and being able to guard. If the game was slow, I could I could guard bigger guys. If the game was fast, I can run. Um, so yeah, I, I think I would I was fitting fine. Uh, I don't think it'd be a problem for me at all. Who plays like you in today's NBA? Man, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, it, the game has changed so much now, where everyone's shooting threes and. Um, it's just a, it's just a faster paced game. Uh, I don't even know. I don't. Even, that's that's a great question. I never even thought about it. Uh, I, I'd have to think about that. You were traded on December seventeenth, two thousand four, from the Toronto Raptors to the Toronto Raptors in exchange for Alonzo Mourning, Eric Williams, uh, two first round draft picks, as well as Vince Carter. Um, how did you find out that you were traded? Um, phone call from uh, Rod Thorne. So he was the GM at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he 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 gave me a call and uh, said that they're making a change, and it, it just caught me completely, you know, off guard. Uh, I just I thought we were still going to try and make another run for championship, and um. You know, that's that's when I realized that was the first time I'd ever been traded. So, mm. and, and for for it to happen, just what out of the blue for me was was I was just in shock. Um, but you know, I realized that it's a business, and that's the way it goes. You know, teams are trying to do what's best for them, and uh, I can't I can't be mad at them if you get Vince Carter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't be mad. You know, you give up some role players to get to get Vince Carter, so. Uh, I understand. I, no, no, um, no love lost on, on my part. Um, I still got love for all the New Jersey Nets and Rod Thorne, all those guys. If the Nets hadn't, if the Nets had resigned Kenya, would I be on the phone talking to you as an NBA champion right now? Uh, it's, it's very possible. It's, it's very possible. But again, I mean, you know, it's. It's a business, and you, yeah. teams are trying to do what they think is best for them. A lot of times, we don't agree as players. Fans don't agree, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't think that would happen. But I guess teams have, have an amount that they're willing to pay, and if another team, you know, is going to pay him way more than that, then, you know, if they don't think he's, he's the value is there, they, they'll let him go. When is the first time that you saw Sean Livingston play basketball? Um, I don't even, I can't even tell you. Um, I don't even know. I know I, I know I was his teammate in LA when he, when he, when he, when he tore his knee up. I know I'll never forget that day. Um, but, um, just, I mean, just playing against him. Um, I thought he was a, you know, kid had a, he had a really bright future. And uh, he still ended up. He went on to win championships. So, mm-hmm. 
and um, and and he made some good money. But I think for him personally, um, that knee injury really set him back because he he was on the trajectory to be a really really good player. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, he still was a good player, but you know what I mean. He was no, I know what you mean. When I looked at him, I I, I looked at LeBron. To be honest with you, See, like yeah, he, that six eight point guard was still you know obviously we saw it with Magic, but to me Magic knew how to pass the ball well. Sean Livingston was both athletic and had good court vision, like LeBron. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He he wasn't quite as big and strong as LeBron, but he was more swift and more. Just he was yeah I think Swift is a perfect word to, to use with him he um, he saw the floor good great he was a great teammate too great kid um, I, I'm I'm really happy that he went on to win those championships and cap uh, his career off when you were um, you were undrafted in '93 uh, you kind of bounced yeah. around between overseas and the NBA. Um, from 93 to 95 and then you ended up joining the Nuggets in 96 and then the Grizzlies and then the Sonics, the Wizards and the Nets. What was it discouraging? Was it disheartening? Like the Nets obviously is where many people remember you from, but was there a turning point before the Nets that you knew I'm going to stay here for a while? Uh. Well, I knew eventually once I got called up with uh, Vancouver um, and Stu Jackson uh, brought me up there and he really gave me a chance to play and he believed in me and mm-hmm. I was a part of the rotation every game. Um, I knew then, and even even before then, um, it's funny because I was just talking to Steve Bartle, I uh, did an interview with him uh, yesterday and he kind of asked me the same question and I told him that through all the call-ups from, you know, 10-day contracts getting sent back down in Denver and stuff like that. And, uh, I never, ever thought that I wasn't going to make it. Hmm. So, I, you know, especially playing in summer leagues and you're playing against guys who are drafted uh, first-round picks and, you, and you're playing against these guys and you realize these guys ain't better than me. Hmm. You know, I just need to find the right opportunity. So, I... I it, may, it was naive on my part because there is a fine line because I was very close to really not making it. But for me personally, I never thought I wasn't going to make it. I just thought I needed an opportunity um, to, to for them to put me in the game and give me more than two or three minutes at the end of a game, you know, garbage time. Like put me in the game and I'll show you I can I can contribute to this team. I can help. And I think really up up in Vancouver was the first time I really got that opportunity. And from from that from that time on, I, I was uh, stayed up in the NBA. Man, you see a lot of um. Well, one of my favorite TV shows growing up was Twenty One Jump Street, and I found out that that was taped in Vancouver. Uh, when you look at those minty green Grizzlies jerseys, and you think of yeah. Sharif Abdur Rahim, Bryant Reeves, um, and some of those other guys, what was what was basketball like in Vancouver back then? Oh man, it was great. Um, I don't know why the team ended up leaving. Uh, I'm sure it had something to do with ownership and money and all that kind of stuff. But the fans were great. Um, the arenas were full every game. Um, we had the city is, is I think is one of the most beautiful cities, you know, in the world. Um, let alone Canada. It's it's a I think it's an underrated city. Um, 
it's yeah, the fans were great, the team, all the guys were great. We had we had a lot of fun up there. We had a lot of fun, and it was, I, I would like to see them get another team. I, I think they deserve it. You played with Sharif Abdul-Rahim in Vancouver, right? Yep, his, his rookie year. You look at his game. Who in today's NBA plays like him? Uh, he's he's he's. I don't want to say he's like a. I, I think he was ahead of his time. Um, I, I don't know because he was a six nine guy who's the handler of the ball, kind of like a, a Billy Owens type player. Hmm. Um, but in today's game, I mean, he has the size. I mean, I, I can't say I was. I kind of want to say Kevin Durant, but he's not as good a scorer as Durant, and I don't think he handles the ball as good. But uh, he was—he was just a six-nine guy who can, who can dribble, pass, shoot, and he's another guy who was a really good teammate. Great, great, great guy, man. Great guy. Um, and uh, I know he has some, some knee injuries, and kind of kind of cut short what what he really could have been. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but he was—he was a really talented, really talented player. When you were on the Seattle Sonics, Sean Kemp was on his. He was in Cleveland by that point, right? Yep, they they had uh, traded uh, for uh, signed Ben Baker, and, and that was uh, Kemp's first year gone. It was my first year there. Gary Payton. Um, we talked about Michael. Um, Gary Payton. Uh, Sam Perkins told me um, that he is one of the biggest trash talkers that he ever met. But what makes it significant is. He makes up words when he trash talks, but you still understand what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. He said the Sonics put surround sound in the locker room. Oh, I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> he called it surround round. Surround round. Yeah. <laughs> Would yeah, you, yeah. He, he, you know, he, he's he's never been the most articulate brother, mm-hmm. but uh, you you definitely understand what he's saying. That's one hundred percent. You understand what he's saying, whether it, whether he's talking regular or trash talk, whatever it is, you you gonna understand what he what he's saying. And if you don't, he's gonna make you understand. Do you see any parallels between he and Patrick Beverly of the Los Angeles Clippers? The only the only similarity is they both like to talk and they both are dogs on defense. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you know, Gary Payton was a much more well-rounded player. He could he averaged twenty points a game. He's always among the assist leaders, and I think he's more a leader of a team. You know, um, Beverly's more more of a role player, and he mm-hmm. just he he plays his role really well. But he's not. He's not in the same class as, as, as Gary Payton. You're not playing in a league, but you're all over the place. You bumped into each other in Chicago during All-Star. What are you doing? Uh, are you still working in basketball? What's going on? No, I'm not now. Um, I was kind of just taking a break, uh, trying to be here for my kids. Uh, so if I, if I were to get – you know, a coaching job or working with the team. Who knows what team it will be? Who knows where it be? Or in the, you know, what city it will be in? It'll be halfway across the country, and we're playing 14 years and missing a lot of their stuff. I wanted to be here for all that stuff. That's real. Um, 
so so now they're getting older now and going to college and my, my youngest is a junior in high school now so I'm actually starting to revisit um, basketball again because um, it's definitely a passion of mine I, you know I've been doing real estate mm-hmm. um, for the last I don't know how many years um, just doing real estate investing and that kind of stuff and it's it's, it's cool but it it's it's I've, you just feel a little better when you wake up every morning and you're excited to go to work and you're passionate about something. So um, I'm, you know, thinking about getting back into basketball, whether it be coaching or scouting or just something in in, in the basketball field. Yeah, you have an eye um, for, for for basketball. I don't know if you remember, but when I was in high school, I used to come to Nets games and I would interview you. I actually interviewed you for my school newspaper when I was a freshman in high school. Okay. And your, this was back when Evan Eschmeyer was on the team, Mark Strickland, um, yep, yep. Eric Murdoch, I think, was on that team as well. Um, yep. And your your eye for basketball um, was always something. Your your basketball IQ was always something that I that I admired from afar. Um, what would be that? Who in basketball um, do you look at or that, that you play with that's currently in it um, that you see a similar role for yourself in? Well, what do you mean? Like, as... who, who in the, like, you look at James Jones, uh, who, you know, played in the league and now he's, you know, in the front office in Phoenix. Like, what players do you, right. have you observed make the transition from player to front office that, that you've watched and that you've admired? Oh, man. James Jones is one. Trajan Langdon, uh, Elton Brand. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's a few guys who are, who are doing really big things. Um, and um, yeah, I mean the, the possibilities are there. Um, you just gotta, you know, keep the contacts alive and, and keep talking to people every now and then. Let them know you're still alive. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, there's 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 uh, a lot of former players who are doing some really good things. Have you before the uh, NBA's hiatus because of the, the coronavirus pandemic? What do you make of the NBA season uh, before the work stoppage. What do you, who, who have you been paying attention to? What do you like? Uh, I think just like everyone, the the competition between the Clippers and the Lakers was kind of still in the headlines uh, for the season, and I think they were headed towards a battle in the Western Conference Finals. That I, was, I was looking forward to seeing. Um, so it's, hopefully they can come back. I know it's, it's everything's being postponed, and they're saying they might be able to to finish the season later in, in the spring and, and maybe early, early or, uh, yeah, probably like J- July, maybe even all going to August. So we'll, we'll see. But, um, yeah, that's, that's what I was looking forward to seeing, you know, coming down the stretch was, was who was going to come out of the, out of the West. Yes. Enough said brother Williams. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And, um, Look to see you in a front office role in the near future. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Scoop B Radio. Oh Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 